for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a special guest, a fellow Texan. I'm calling myself a Texan. I hate doing that because I've only been here four years, but I feel like I've been here long enough. Uh, We have Harper O'Neill. How's it going today? It's going great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Just uh, enjoying this heat wave after the blistering cold of a winter we've had. This heat wave actually feels pretty good. So, well, I was gonna say you can call yourself a Texan if you can make it through the summer there. It's pretty, oh, yeah. it's pretty brutal. It is. It really is. But I lived out in New Mexico for like four years, and honestly, Texas really doesn't have anything on Southeast New Mexico because those summers are ooh, dry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, really excited to have you on. I was uh, talking to my buddy over uh, last weekend because I went out to New Mexico to visit him. I was like. Yeah, there's this musician, Harper. I'm really excited to talk to her. Hopefully I can get her on uh, because we were scheduled to do something right before you went out on that nice tour or we were talking about doing something and you got started doing a tour and you were doing uh, opening gigs for a bunch of national touring acts. And I was like, but now I'm concerned that she's not going to ever come back on because she's gone and she's all this stuff. But no, I'm excited we finally connected. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited to sit down and chat. So uh, like I alluded to, you're originally from Texas. You're from the uh, Dallas Metroplex. We'll just call it that because we don't want to bore people. Um, What was it like growing up in uh, northern uh, North Texas? Um, I love where I'm from and I love to go back. Uh, My family's still there. Um, Tons of friends there because I went to UT Austin for college. So Um, A lot of my close friends, you know, moved to Dallas or stayed in Austin or Houston. So I definitely have deep roots there and I'd love to go back. Um, And, you know, growing up there was just it was awesome. It was great. You know, I had a good support system and great access to music education at a young age, which I felt like was super formative um, for obviously this path that I've ended up on, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, you know, I like every high schooler I wanted to leave desperately when it was time to leave. And then I left and now I love to go back. So, <laughs> well, it's one of those things I often tell a lot of people. So I'm originally from Chicago, so I, I know what it's like to grow up in and around a major city and be like, I need to leave to go experience a different part of the country. And I've matured in the, like I've been gone from Chicago for a long time. I have no interest in going back, but you know, just kind of the maturity level that I've grown, I've grown so much in the last 10 years than I did the first 22 years that I lived in Chicago. So I I can totally relate. I mean, having to start over somewhere new uh, is just super character building. I feel like you have Mm -hmm. to you have to find new friends and find hobbies and get involved and really put yourself out there. And I think if you're lucky, you kind of go full circle back to who you kind of were before you left mm-hmm. um, in a cool way. Uh, 
but yeah, I totally understand that feeling of kind of wanting to get out there, mix it up, do it on your own and, yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. It, it's uh, definitely an adventure. I tell everyone they should take, not need to take, but they should take because every time I go back home, and I can't even really consider it home because I don't really have anybody that still lives there. Like my sister lives an hour and a half away from where we grew up. And then the only person that's there is my grandma. But, you know, so anytime I go and visit, I go and visit my friends and it's like, oh, hey, I've only got like 20 minutes because I got to go to work. And they're all depressed and they're all mad because, you know, for whatever reason, it's like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not here anymore. Like this would be a miserable existence. So. No, that's too funny. I, I feel like for me too, um, you know, I, my friends all kind of started to find their path when we, when, when I moved back to Dallas after school, it was clear to me that they were super inspired by their, um, their jobs and mm -hmm. their, you know, their relationships and their life. And I just hadn't really found anything or connected with anything that, um, would make me stay in Dallas and not really take the chance uh, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that way that I was kind of missing something and I wanted to go look for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so you're originally from Dallas. You mentioned you went to UT Austin, you went to Austin before it was cool to go to Austin. I feel like the last few years, everybody moves to Austin because they think it's, or not because they think it's cool. It Austin is a really cool city. I will say that up front, but, um, so kind of growing up in and around Dallas, what was the music scene like there? So uh, my parents are music lovers. My sister too. I mean, my parents are just like children of the 60s and they um, really value music exploration and artist discovery. So um, they were involved in like local festivals, going to support singer songwriters and kind of get a pulse on on the Texas music scene. You know, I grew up listening to... Hayes Carl and uh, Robert Earl Keen and Lyle Lovett, uh, Ruthie Foster. I mean, like just some real true Texas music. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I always, to my dad's credit, I always say, I didn't know this was strange until moving out to Nashville, but he just loves female singer songwriters. <laughs> and so I didn't think it was that crazy, you know, to, I don't know that, they were playing all the time in the house, Bonnie yeah. Raitt, you know, all this, all this great music. So I was lucky, lucky to get um, a good education, just like by proxy of their taste mm -hmm. uh, that I feel like really shaped what I look for in a song and what I care about and what I feel like resonates with me. So it was definitely, um, we just always had music on during mm -hmm. dinner, like just yeah. sitting outside. It was just always on. Yeah. I, it, that's something that I've started doing more recently is listening to more local texas music because there's a lot of musicians in texas that have been touring around texas for 10 15 20 years that you step outside of texas very few people have actually heard of them but you step in texas oh have you heard of stony you know like insert any name and it's like oh yeah well you know and so that that's the really cool thing about texas is its love for music and its support of itself and the fact that you uh, said that your dad just kind of introduced you to so many female singer songwriters that that's really cool. And I, I don't know what it is, but I found myself being drawn to more female singer songwriters myself. And 
as I kind of go through the process of meeting new musicians, because, you know, every year there's new, new musicians and stuff. A lot of the female singer songwriters, they seem a lot more open to some of these opportunities or some of these like interviews. Like I'll say, I I'll email like 20 musicians, 10 male, 10 female, six females will get back to me and say, yeah, let's talk about it. And then maybe one male will, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, that is super, super interesting. I mean, and just to double back, I wanted to add to what you said about Texas music fans. I just feel like they show up for their local scene and mm -hmm. that's why they have a local scene. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And on the tales of female singer songwriters in Texas, I think it's a really cool time right now because mm -hmm. I think finally Texas is kind of opening up to supporting women in ways that they haven't really before. I mean, you've got like Caitlin Butts kind of in from, from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. She's just a total badass. And she's kind of breaking her way into the Texas scene. I mean, she just headlined Billy Bob's recently. Yeah. There's just tons of cool stuff going on with women right now in the scene um, that I like. It just makes me so excited to be a part of like the idea that I can kind of go back and hit those markets and potentially, you know, get some stuff going down in Texas is just like that's a new that's a new concept, I feel mm -hmm. like so. And it's probably because we're taking all these interviews and we're talking to wonderful people like you and getting the word out. So I yeah. love to hear that. It's really cool. And I, I think there's just a lot more support in general in tech for musicians in general. We're not even going male, female, just like independent musicians in general. I feel like there's a lot more support, like you mentioned with fans supporting the musicians, but there's also the venue support. You could go, even though like they may not be like well-known for bringing in musicians, you could go to almost any venue at any night and you'll see a flyer. Even if they're not playing that night, there's a flyer for like Tuesday, Thursday, you know, just whatever that like all the venues are super open to supporting musicians. And that's really cool. It's so cool. And I, I like to think that part of that is, um, you know, a result of coming out of the pandemic. So, you mm -hmm. know, a year and a half, two years where a lot of venues couldn't have you know, shows. And I think it's something people really craved um, in these last, you know, this last year and a half is going to see live music and mm -hmm. appreciating songwriters and supporting and showing up and venues getting to put on shows. It's just been, I don't know. I think we appreciate it maybe better mm -hmm. than we did before. Oh yeah. It, it made musician. I think it made musicians realize like, Hey, this isn't guaranteed it could all go away tomorrow. We need to get out there and we need to do our thing and do take advantage of any opportunity that arises. So yes, totally. I totally but, agree. Yeah. So um, music was kind of all just kind of piggybacking or double backing to like growing up in Texas. You said music was always kind of around thanks to your parents. Um, at what point did you kind of start to realize that music was something that you wanted to explore? When did you kind of figure out that uh, singing was something that you were good at? So um, my sister's a phenomenal singer. She's got an incredible voice. Um, and I think it kind of probably started in, I'm four years younger than her. So I think there was definitely an element of wanting to be like your sister and, you know, I idolizing um, that she was so good at it. And that was a way that we could connect um, our whole family. And so I was in the drum line in high school, which was like my intro into music. Nice. And yeah, I wish I could keep the uniform because 
damn if that thing didn't look good on me. <laughs> um, so I think it was around 15 or 16 that I um, kind of got a little bit more serious about playing the guitar and um, got into learning covers and really understanding what kind of songs I connected to. So I started writing around that time. And then obviously UT Austin, what a great place to go be around music. You know, that was a big reason I ended up choosing that school is just the the live music scene. Mm -hmm. And so in college, I'd, I would do like the Sixth Street kind of gigs, cover yes. gigs, and I'd get my friends come down and, you know, we'd just have a big time and I'd make a couple hundred bucks and we'd go spend it all on Sixth Street and we'd do it the next weekend. And it was great. It was fun. It was a hobby though. Yeah. And I think... Um, after I graduated, I moved back to Dallas and I took a job doing financial services marketing. Um, and I, you know, I gave it a shot. And about six months in, I got a call from a friend who had started a nonprofit out here in Nashville called Creative Vets. And they do wonderful work. And I so encourage you to check them out. But he just randomly called me and was like, I think you need to move to Nashville. And I hadn't really you know, it's not kind of something you dream about. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe one day I would move. But I think it takes sometimes a little push like that and being open to receiving that kind of call um, to kind of seal the deal and and, mm -hmm. and make you want to chase after it. So it was a it was a long, slow uh, draw to get out here. But I think I always kind of secretly knew that if there was a way to make it happen, it would be something I was really interested in. 100% mm -hmm. agreed. It, it's making that decision is always a tough one just to just moving in general like i'm sure even moving from around from dallas down to austin i'm sure that wasn't an easy move even though that's what is it three hours to austin from dallas yeah about three and a half but there's yeah. always construction on that dang mm -hmm. i-35 so it, oh, yeah. it takes a little longer yeah i they're still doing construction yeah that, it that, just that never ends I avoid 35 like the plague. It's like, oh, I got to go down to Fort Hood or I got to go down to like Belton or something. And it's like, is there a way I can do it without having to take 35? <laughs> totally. I is totally that, feel that. But yeah, uh, no, yeah. Moving was hard in general, just deciding to move out here to Nashville. But I think, um, I think it's one of those things where chasing after anything is kind of embarrassing at first admitting that you want something is kind mm. of scary like just telling people that that's what you want that's like an intimidating thing to say but i think once you can get over yourself a little bit and if you're really truly honest and you're passionate about what it is that you're after then it all kind of starts to make sense you know i mm. came out here and i was lucky to find super like-minded singer-songwriters around around my age kind of just getting started and I think having them to kind of walk through all this with has been super, super helpful. I mean, I don't, I, you know, if I hadn't had them at the beginning of it all, it's hard to say if I would have stayed this long, you know, mm -hmm. just companionship like that is, is a game changer. Yeah. So I definitely think, um, you know, just like falling in with the, the friends that I fell in with definitely helped. Yeah, for sure. It's always good to have those friends. Do did you have any of those like doubters in Dallas when you said you were moving to Nashville? Did you have any of the like the doubters or haters, I guess is the I'm hip sure word? I did. I am sure I did, but um my immediate family and my close friends were extremely supportive and super encouraging. Um and I'm sure there were people who doubted me, but 
And I'm sure there'd be more that still do because that's just kind of the nature of stuff like this. It is a, it's a wild ride and you know, it's, it's not a given in any stage of it. So, um, but luckily for me, they seem to have guarded me very well from, mm -hmm. from the haters out there. I'm sure they're lurking though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's just being strong and confident in who you are to even if just like blocking all that out, just going after what you want, knowing what you want and blocking everything out that that just shows how strong you are. It's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and I just I love being around people who follow their dreams and mm -hmm. and that this town happens to be one of those towns where lots of people are doing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a it, it's been the internal battle that I've been having. It's like I don't want to leave Texas. Like this is the first time since I left home where it's like, man, I could like maybe not Waco but just somewhere in central Texas, whether it's Austin, around Austin, I don't want to leave. But I just know if I move to Nashville, I set up shop, it's game over. Like, yeah. I just I just know it is because I have so many friends that text me weekly like, hey, when are you moving to Nashville? When are you moving to Nashville? And it's like, got to find a job first. Like, I, yeah. I, like I, I, I'm very... Uh, I don't like taking those ch financial chances. Like I'll take a chance every day of the week, but there has to be like some sort of financial stability there for me. Absolutely. And I, I completely understand. I mean, I think part of the reason it did take me a minute is I, I took that corporate job and I saved up a bunch of money to try to, to make it out here. But I think too, you know, I've been self-funded in, in my artist work for the whole time I've been here. Mm -hmm. I do think um, there is some sort of solace in having a support system, knowing that if it all went to hell, I would have people to call. And so I'm really grateful that I can take some of those risks, knowing that there's some kind of fallback plan. Like I could, mm -hmm. you know, I could, I could go back and, you know, it would be fine. Mm -hmm. So I'm super grateful for that because taking those risks is just, it's, it's so intimidating. And the risk is what makes life exciting. Like that's just what makes things exciting. And I'm kind of at that point now where it's like, I got to take that risk because you got to do it. Yeah. So it, it's, it's probably about still six months off, but at that risk, that risk decision is going to get made here very soon. I'm going to so. keep checking in on you. I appreciate that. And I think <laughs> that's ultimately what makes me err keeps me motivated is pe holding myself accountable to people like just saying telling people like hey i'm gonna do this and if they don't check on me it's like dang it like i just need some i need that workout partner essentially so i told i was just about to say it's like when you start a new workout or a diet or something yep. you got to tell someone because you're like i'm off the sugar so then if they see you eating the candy or whatever they can be like ah, i don't think yep. so Yep. Yeah. And I, I, all that kind of draws back to growing up in Chicago. Like I had friends, but none of them would hold me accountable to anything. And it's just like, I I'm a different person. I can't be around that. So I totally get it. Yeah. So you're, you said you've been out in Nashville, what, five years now? It'll be five years in July. Nice. Nice. How's, uh, what was the, uh, initial move? Like, were you, was the you were you said or you had mentioned that you were going out there to work with the nonprofit? Oh no! Or, so I, um, this is kind of a long story, but it's a good one, so I'm going to tell yeah, you. Go for it. When I was in college, I did an internship, a retail marketing internship, 
um, in Chicago, actually, of all places, wild enough. And um, while I was there, I stayed at the dorms of the Art Institute down in the Loop. And I happened to be on the same floor as this man, Richard Casper, and this class of uh, veterans that he was working with. Mm -hmm. And his whole mission is to um, help veterans cope with PTSD and trauma with art therapy. So I had originally started at the Art Institute. They did, you know, physical art, painting and mosaics and clay and all that kind of cool stuff. So I spent the summer kind of hanging out with those guys. And then fast forward five years later, we kind of kept in touch a little bit. He had called me out of the blue and was just like, come stay with my wife and I for five days. If you hate it, we'll leave you alone. But I just think you need to be here. Um, And so I actually just moved. I moved out there. I kept my financial services job um, remotely. So I did Mm. that for a while while I was here for a few years, actually, because then I did it through the pandemic because I was, you know, I couldn't. Mm. There were no other jobs. I was going to go wait tables and all the restaurants shut down. So it was a tricky time. Um, so yeah, so it ended up being that he started a Nashville branch where he would bring in songwriters to work with the veterans. And so it's something I still am involved with. And I do whenever I can, um, is write songs with, with veterans for him, because I'd not, I wouldn't be here if you never called me. So, um, yeah, so that's super special to me, but I mostly was working the financial services marketing job. Yeah. So it was just the conduit to get you to Nashville. Yep. It was just the phone call. Yep. Gotcha. Hey, that's, that's amazing. So you move out to Nashville about five years. We'll, we'll call it five years. Cause it's almost July. We'll, we'll just we'll say five, five years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so you move out there. Did you immediately start or were you from when you left school to, till you moved out to Nashville, where were you kind of at musically? Were I know you were working, but were you were still playing writing? Where were you kind of at? Absolutely. I was playing in Dallas anywhere I could, anywhere downtown and okay. Deep Ellum, you know, at the Rustic, I'd busk yeah. at the farmer's market, like any chance I could get to go play somewhere, I would go play. And I was taking it as seriously as I knew how, but still kind of considering it a hobby because it seems, you seem silly kind of when you ad- admit that you want to go for something like that. So um, I think having Richard, who's who's my friend involved with Creative Ed's, I think having mm-hmm. him out here, Um, just brought a little peace of mind to me. Um, These industries can be so tough when you don't know anyone involved. When you you don't know anyone who's made it work, it just feels impossible. And so um, I think I was chomping at the bit to kind of move up to the next level and and take it more seriously and start kind of trying to figure out who I was as as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely was gigging as much as possible. Gotcha. As you were kind of going through that process of trying to figure out figure out who you were as a musician, who were you listening to as far as like music, just to kind of try and figure out who you wanted to be? Was there somebody you were listening to or? Yeah. So when I first moved to town, there were two albums that I just couldn't stop streaming. Mm-hmm. One of them is EGO by Lucy Silvis. It's a phenomenal record. She's so good. Um, and then, uh, Caitlin Smith had put out, I think it's called Starfire. The record is, mm-hmm. um, and I just spun those records till they wouldn't spin anymore. And I just thought they were so cool because, you know, Caitlin Smith is country music, but she's got her yeah. own thing going on underneath the surface. Her songwriting is so unique. 
um even you know Miley Cyrus has the song high and Caitlin Smith wrote it mm-hmm. and I knew immediately that Caitlin Smith had written it because her her energy her whole personality is just in those melodies she just is so creative and genre bending and I just fell in love with it and then Lucy I just thought her style and her once again her songwriting the uh, way the album was produced by John Green I just I was just blown away so those two I was listening to at the time when I first moved here in in 2018 Mm -hmm. and then when the pandemic hit I really took some time to sit with records that I kind of passively enjoyed but didn't Mm -hmm. really like you know dive into and I reconnected with Tapestry by Carole King and it absolutely just transformed the way I think about um, songwriting now and in um, production and and what kind of sounds I wanted in a record. Um, I'll always make country music because that's where I'm from mm. and what I was raised on yeah. and it's, it's in me. And so uh, the process the last five years has been how can I showcase within, within my version of country music all of these other influences that really um make me make me feel like alive with mm-hmm. with music and and carol king's a huge part of that journey for me so i would say those three gals were super um informative to the last five years gotcha awesome and it kind of because you, you throughout or early on throughout the interview you were mentioning that music you thought music was a hobby what was kind of that light switch was it the move to nashville was it the pandemic that kind of made you think of music more than a hobby that this was this was what you needed to be doing by the time i had moved to nashville i definitely knew it was no longer a hobby and i was <laughs> going to make it work i think the light switch for me was in my mind, I had checked off all the other options. I Mm. went to college. um, I got a degree. I got a job downtown. uh, You know, I I did all the internships and I kind of put my feet in that world. And um, I loved parts of it, but ultimately it just didn't fit. It was Mm -hmm. just not the right size. I don't I don't know how else to explain it other than I wasn't fulfilled with it. So I think I kind of hit this point where I was like, okay, if I'm going to work this hard at something, it might as well be the thing that brings me so much joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ultimately too, I, after visiting here, I just thought to myself, like, if, if nothing else, if I can just be around it, if I could just come here and be close to it, I think I would even be happier. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was a multitude of things that, that kind of flipped that switch for me for sure and i ultimately i think had you not had you thought it was just going to be a hobby i don't think you'd ever made that move to nashville i think you would have just stayed in dallas and done the internship thing and played on the weekends you know absolutely you know my sister she's a hobbyist but Mm -hmm. she's fantastic and she loves it Mm -hmm. but she loves other things more and she's you know prioritized those things and she's awesome at them and those fulfill her Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of the question of you know how how bad did the bug bite you you know it's just like you know um so it's an interesting you know journey for for all musicians Mm -hmm. so you're in nashville you've had a busy summer already it's only june 19th as we're recording this and you've already had a busy summer you've already done a bit of a tour was that an east coast tour that you were doing i'm trying to remember where exactly you were so 
Uh, yeah, it was mostly on the East Coast. Mm. Um, we did. So I was out with Morgan Wade on an mm -hmm. acoustic tour. I think we did 10 days, mm -hmm. maybe. And then um, I jumped on with Paul Coffin for a couple dates. And then um, back up to the Northeast with Ashley McBride. Mm -hmm. um, and that was pretty much all of May. And I was I was gone pretty much the whole month. Yeah. Um, it was so fun. I just, if I hadn't ha already had the bug, I had it by the end of that month. I just didn't even want to come back. It was so fun. I saw the video on Instagram. I think you posted it on Instagram of you. I don't know if you were going on stage to open for Ashley McBride or you were oh. coming off stage. Because the context is kind of slipping my mind right now. But just the enjoyment that I saw on your face. I was oh. like, oh yeah, that that was a moment for her. That was incredible. I mean, Ashley McBride is is, in my opinion, like probably the best you know female vocalist in country music right now. Um, her showmanship is just unmatched, and I just I've been a fan for a long time, and I've been lucky enough to work with her in um, songwriting capacities, and and I've and I've gotten to become friends with her, um, and so it was, I was coming off the stage. It was the first night opening for her. And the video is just, she just said, you just opened for Ashley McBride. How do you feel? And I just was like, dreams do come true. Like yeah. I just was so emo about it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was a, it was a really cool video. And I knew once I saw that video, I was like, yes, we gotta, we gotta make this podcast happen because yeah. just, just the enjoyment, like, you know, it, I I've been doing live and amplified long enough i've seen musicians come i've seen them go i've seen them have those pure authentic moments where it's like they get to open up for somebody that they idolized as a kid or mm -hmm. you know like whatever that pure moment is and then you see these other musicians that they get the same moment and it's just like that enjoyment isn't there and it's like it, it's really hard to get excited for those situations because it's like you don't really enjoy this. You're doing this for some other reason. So I'm so glad that it comes off um, authentically because I think I was so close to not having all of this be part of my life, mm -hmm. having kind of already gone down some other paths that every time it happens now, I'm just over the moon about it. Every time I get to wake up and write a song or, you know, go play a show or, you know, get in the studio, it just feels like I almost missed out on it. And I just, I just love it so much. Yeah. You were one, like, just even having this conversation, like, had you not picked up that phone call, had you, you know, you think of like the slightest little thing that you could have not done and everything would have been completely different. It's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, so how long were you you were on tour all of may you said yeah or i left may most... first and i got back like may 23rd or 24th so it was it was a lot of may and then um i just played bonnaroo this yep. last weekend outer rue little oh, that was a dream come true for me oh my gosh i just that festivals are how i find so much new music that mm -hmm. i love and so um just to to be in that position on the other side was just a dream come true. Um, and then I got some stuff coming up too. I'm so excited about like, I think what's cool about the music is it, it is country music, like I said, but mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that it can 
kind of seep into some other worlds um, of of music lovers who maybe don't think they love country music, but they <laughs> like some country music. And uh, so I'm opening for Devin Gilfillian um, yes. in July, who's the coolest. I mean, he's just the coolest. Yeah. And then uh, I've got a gig with Brothers Osborne and then some, you I know, did, one I did stuff. see that pop up. I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's a cool oh, yeah. show. Back on the road with Morgan Wade. And then I'm so excited. I'm going to be playing Red Rocks in September. That's music. That is so awesome. Is nuts. It's just, it's, I, it shouldn't even be a thing. I made these like New Year's Eve every year I stay in because I'm so hip and cool. And I make <laughs> little like vision boards. I know it sounds absolutely nuts, but I make these little vision boards and it's like all graphics on the front. And then the back, I just put like words. I don't, they're not like specific things, but all the shit I put on my vision board yeah. this last year, it, it's like I put Red Rocks down. Like I put Brooklyn Bull with Lainey Wilson and that happened. It's just been so crazy. And, and it reminds me all the time that it it's okay to dream bigger mm -hmm. and admit that you want things. Um, and I guess too, like, the, one of the coolest things I've heard lately was when Lainey Wilson was at the ACMs, mm -hmm. she won many awards that evening, but upon collecting one of her awards, I'll never forget this. She said, if you're going to be a dreamer, you have to be a doer. Mm -hmm. And that's really struck a chord with me, which is it's okay to set big goals as long as you're working really hard. And so I I'm trying to teach myself to not be embarrassed anymore about writing just the wildest shit down on these vision boards. Like my vision board next year is going to be insane. <laughs> right. It's so funny that you brought this up because this morning I have a tendency to scroll through. I don't go through TikTok like crazy, but like Instagram uh, or not Instagram, uh, YouTube shorts. I'll just mm -hmm. kind of scroll through YouTube shorts and this, uh, graduation speech from Jim Carrey popped up and he was talking about um, how to get what you want in life. You have to speak it into existence. Now, some people call that praying. Some people call that meditating and some people just call it speaking it into existence, but to get what you want, you have to speak it into existence. And the fact that you were talking about the vision board, that's speaking it into existence. So it is. And I really believe in that. I mean, like, I, I think you, you, your thoughts just, they don't quite do it. You have to put it out into the world. hundred mm -hmm. percent. So you, you got a busy summer coming up, but you're still actively releasing music, which is amazing. Uh, you just dropped a single on Friday. Yep. Or 16th. Is that, that's Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Time doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I'm trying to do math and it's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, so I've been home. I've been working remote since February because I fractured my knee and Aww. sprained my ACL on vacation. Oh God, I'm so sorry. And so like, I was good to go back to work like two months ago, but my job's like, no, you can't. And so it's like, I have no concept of time right now. It's like, oh, yeah. I have no like, idea. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay, what day is it? Yeah. But anyways, so you um dropped a new single on Friday. Uh, when do you love me? What What's the uh, story behind this song? So this song was, um, the last one I recorded of this, this bunch of songs I'm sitting on, um, because I wrote it right at the tail end before we, we got the studio time again. And I wrote it by myself. I 
started it at home and I think I had like 30 minutes before a flight. So I ended up writing the rest of it on the flight home. And I'm a sucker for an anti-love song. You know, I just, I think there's so much um, feeling baked within those that really has nothing to do with love. That's really a, a bigger life kind of exploration. But this one specifically is just about when um, relationships become fraught and it's not shining or sparkling quite like it should. Um, and ultimately, a lot of feelings can look like love that aren't love. And yeah. so if it hurts, it's probably not love. Um, and so I had fun kind of playing with just different metaphors and, you know, kind of playing with the fact that people talk about love being so amazing and maybe that this experience wasn't wasn't that quite that for me. So the other thing I love about it though is my producer Jake Gear. When I brought it to him, it was a, it was a bit sadder and a bit slower. Mm -hmm. And he had this awesome idea. There's a live version of Amy Winehouse's Valerie, um, it and okay. it's got that uh, chunky piano kind of at the beginning, and it's yeah. real sparse, and it's just her vocal. And he kind of had this idea of like, what if we dress it up a little bit like a happier song? Um, and to me, that really says it all. The song's mm -hmm. then looking in on itself. It's like, it looks, it sounds happy. It must mm -hmm. be happy. And it's like, well, you say it's love. It must be love, but yeah. it's not love and it's not happy. <laughs> so I'm super proud of the way that one turned out. Yeah. I, I definitely picked up the soulful nature of a lot of your more recent music. Cause when we first started uh, talking, I was listening to some of your older stuff that had a little bit of more of the uh, country sound to it. And I was mm -hmm. like, and I started listening to like Guilty and then When You Love Me when it came out. And I'm like, wow, th there's some soul in there. And like, I think that's really, because you're being authentically you, because you brought up, who was it, Carol King earlier? Yes, Carol. Like, um, you brought up Carol King and you brought up Amy Winehouse as you were kind of going through the production process of this song. And well, it's even just Lyle like, Lovett. Yeah. Lyle Lovett's got some soul going on. Yeah. It's, yeah. Lyle Lovett's an interesting character. I always thought he was an actor. I never knew he was a country musician until I oh, moved wow. out to Texas. And then I was just like, everybody had like Lyle Lovett records. And yeah. Was, yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So that was actually a thing he did. Yeah. So, you know, because I, I saw him in a couple of movies and I was like, okay, he's an actor. Cool. You know? So. Yeah. But so you got uh, When You Love Me out now. Are mm -hmm. You released an EP early, or a three-song EP. Is this all kind of leading to a bigger project, or are you just kind of staying singles, small projects? Going to be steadily releasing, you know, all summer, because um, mm -hmm. I've heard the algorithm likes that. I don't yeah. know. They're always changing that damn thing. But, um, right. yeah, so I'm sitting, on, I'm sitting on a good chunk of music, and uh, we can expect some steady releases, I would say. Awesome, awesome. And you're doing music videos as well or visualizers i guess that's what they're called now right instead of music videos i i think um the way i interpret it is like a visualizer or the kind of stuff i'm doing right now is very diy mm -hmm. i work with an awesome videographer photographer named erica rock and we just kind of like go out and have a good time trying to do like one take videos and yeah. get some like imagery and stuff because we're balling on a budget over here you know right we're, we're scraping pennies together so um, that's been fun too, to kind of see how they come alive, uh, visually and, um, with photo shoots and things like that. Um, and that's just another reason I love this town. There's so many creators that are not 
musicians necessarily. There's yeah. photographers, videographers, like there's fashion, there's all sorts of um, really inspiring creative industries here. Yeah. And it like I've for what I always thought Nashville was like very music centric. And then I found a random Facebook group specifically for Nashville, like mm-hmm. young entrepreneurs in Nashville mm-hmm. and just all the different creatives that pop up. I'm like, I saw somebody ask like, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to shoot my video or, Hey, I'm looking for somebody to design a load, you know, just, and like all the connects that are in this one group, it's like, and y'all are in Nashville. Like that's yep. wild. Everyone's so. trying to get their small business off the ground here. It's so we're, we all need each other. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so you'd mentioned wanting to come back to Texas. It, I'm assuming that's just like visit and whatnot. You're firmly entrenched in Nashville. I'd say I'm I'm pretty firmly entrenched here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, but you know I've learned to never say never. You know, never count anything out. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to get back and play some shows around Texas. You know, I've been able to play like Green Hall. That was a great experience. Mm. But I'd love to come back through and and um just be able to bring some family and friends out in all those different locations and maybe go play in Austin. Like that seems right. like it'd be so full circle yeah. for me. And there's tons of awesome like little clubs there. So I'm hopeful to get back, uh, back to Texas soon. For sure. One town that I've started to realize has got a nice little something going on is a uh, new Braunfels. Mm-hmm. Like they've got, I don't know what it is, but all the musicians seem to go be pl- go play in New Braunfels. There, there's like little pubs and breweries and stuff like that. Yep. Everybody I've talked to that is in and around Texas, at some point this summer, they're going to play there. And it's like, all right, there's something going on there. So Yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, you'd mentioned that you've got a whole bunch of shows and stuff coming up. Uh, w- what's kind of the plan outside of uh, those shows? Are you... How often are you planning on releasing music? Like what's kind of the plans going into the rest of the summer? I mean, we're we're looking at some steady releasing. I've been doing kind of like once a month. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's probably, you know, a pretty dependable thing to say yeah. might right. happen. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah. And I'm I've been fortunate enough to be working with uh Jody Williams Songs, which is my publishing company. So mm-hmm. I'll be here a lot this summer trying to write um the next batch, you know, and and really see what the um, the next evolution of the sound is going to be. And I've had a lot of um, other influences since that first project. So it'll be fun to kind of see what happens. Yeah, for sure. So being in Nashville for five years, how how's uh, Nashville kind of helped you as a musician or helped mold you as a musician? So many, so many ways. First of all, when you arrive, you just really understand that everyone here is talented. Mm-hmm. Like you see, they like it's kind of overwhelming. You know, you can go in anywhere and hear someone who can sing, see someone who can play, uh, hear a song you wish you'd written. I mean, so I think Nashville kind of helps you understand that you're part of like a larger, a larger thing, which is just like making art and inspiring people and getting these like different messages out there. Um, I've learned so much about songwriting from peers and some of my heroes. Um, I think also, you know, in order to learn the industry, it's helpful to be in a hub like this where Mm -hmm. the industry is. And so I think when I first moved here, I've kind of put both feet in 
And I really wanted to assimilate and understand how it works. I mean, there's so many confusing things about all of this that I still don't understand. So I think I really jumped in with two feet. And then the past three years has been the process of me taking one foot back out Mm -hmm. and starting to understand how I'm different from all my peers and how I'm different from all the music that's being made and shared. And a lot of that has to do with remembering where I'm from and my roots and what I grew up listening to and really what speaks to me. So um, Nashville's a, a Nashville can be the most fun place in the world and it can be just a beating sometimes just yeah. comparing yourself and trying to keep your head above water and stay inspired can be tricky but um, if you can figure out a way to do that there's no better place uh, to to find collaborators and and fellow creators so for sure love for sure. hate love hate relationship right. with this, with absolutely this town. absolutely it, Nashville is definitely one of them cities where you could easily beat yourself up Oh, yeah. But um, so I don't want to keep you here too much longer Um, outside of music. Mm-hmm. When when it's time for you to just take some time for yourself, what are some of your hobbies? What do you do to decompress? You know, all that fun stuff. Well, I, I'm going to talk a big game here for a second, but I'm, I'm a pretty good pool player. OK, so I love to find a pool table and uh, just start hustling some folks because nobody I think. I think just the side of me, people don't assume I'm going to be a great, right. a great billiards player. But uh, I grew up with a pool table with my dad. Um, and that's kind of another way that that we bond. We'd listen to music and play mm-hmm. pool. And, um, you know, so that's something I love to do. Honestly, though, I spend a lot of my time with music, whether it's going to see shows and, um, you know, appreciating as a fan or um, writing songs and and creating and thinking about um, just, you know, shows and getting better and putting in the 10,000 hours or whatever they say it takes yeah. now. So yeah. probably mostly music related things. For sure. So being in Nashville, what is your favorite non-touristy place to go check out music? Mm, to check out music? Or go see a show. Yeah. Um. Ooh, let me think about that for a second. And for anybody listening, non-touristy, I mean, not on Broadway. So I think there's like the original basement that's over on 8th Avenue. That's been, you know, uh, in 2022, my friends kind of put on like a monthly jam there. Mm -hmm. And so I became very familiar with just that space. And it's really just special to me. It holds lots of memories and lots of great times and lots of awesome shows. And I've played several shows there myself at this point, you know, opening up for friends record releases. And um, they do like two shows a night there, I Mm -hmm. think typically. So um, there's always something going on. And so that's probably like the most sentimental one for me that I just love. For sure. For sure. I, every time I go to Nashville, everybody's like, Oh, you gotta go to, you gotta go to Broadway. And it's like, "Mm, no, I'm not going. No. Well, you you can go, but you can probably only go once for a few hours. <laughs> yeah, and you have to be very rich. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, we, the last time I went to the last time I've been was in Nashville was right before the pandemic. I haven't been back since. Um, and I went, and it was the first time I wanted to go check out uh, the Blues Lounge. Mm-hmm. Except I found out it was going to cost us twenty dollars an hour to park. Oh God! And I was like, no. Nah. No. It's such a racket. It's such a racket. It is. Anytime really I is. anytime I share with someone that I'm going to Broadway, they're like, you must have friends in town. I'm like, right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then, but then again, you go there and there's just musicians that are killing it. Like, oh, some world class <laughs> musicians down there playing. Yeah, it's just I, I'm not going. I'm sorry. I'm not giving the city of Nashville or whoever the parking money goes to. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Sorry. I totally but, feel that. So, um, so one thing that we like to do as we kind of wrap up the podcast and stuff is we like to pass on knowledge to the younger musicians, the aspiring musicians. So, for the young musician out there, what's something that you've learned that you would like to pass on to them? Hmm. Probably a few things. Okay. Um, one of them would be that it's okay to take yourself seriously sooner. You don't have to have somebody taking you seriously to think that your work matters or your art matters or your music matters. Um, it can matter as soon as you make it. Um, another thing I'm still learning all the time is that the song's not bad. It's probably just unfinished. Yeah. So you just got to keep working through it. It's probably a great idea. It just needs a little love. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is I was really fortunate to, like I said, have access to like um, uh, music as a young kid in, in an academic sense. And so I think learning an instrument pretty well and being able to kind of work your way around an instrument by yourself and not really need somebody to collaborate with, it can kind of help you get your voice out before you start working with collaborators so you can make sure that there's that little piece of you that sees the world only the way that you do that's kind of the thread through the work and and like I said you know we can see that that song high by Miley Cyrus that Caitlin Smith was a collaborator on that because her thread is in that in that work so I think um those are probably my three things and then fourth just don't give up just keep yeah. doing it just do it over and over and over and over again because that's what everybody else is doing that's what we're all doing um, and I'm sure that's what all my heroes are doing. They just do it and do it until they get it right. Yeah, 100% agreed. So for anybody out there that wants to check out your music, your shows, interact with you on social, uh, where can they find your music? Where can they find you? All that fun stuff. So it's just Harper O'Neill on all the Spotify, Apple, Amazon, YouTube, wherever you, know, you stream, wherever you get your music. And then all my socials are at Harper O'Neill music. So you guys send me a DM and you know, we'll, we'll become friends. We'll be buddies. Awesome. I, I'm glad you still promote your Spotify because I've started to see this weird trend where musicians aren't promoting Spotify anymore. And I'm like, no, there, there's still, there's still a market for your Spotify. Don't, oh, don't. That's wild. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I think it still has to stem from that Joe Rogan situation. So sure. I'm sure yeah. there's, there's lots of things at play. Yeah. But once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's been an absolute blast chatting with you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to support anything live and amplified, liveandamplified.net is our website. You can find anything and everything that we do. We'd greatly appreciate it. Once again, Harper, it's been a blast chatting with you, and we'll see you all later. Thank you so much.